I, I, you know, I, this week I spent um, probably more time than I spend in a while going through the the first part of Matthew and the first part of Luke, and and you know, there, there's actually so much there that my whole life I've I've uh, pretty much since my parents began to pursue God when I was four years old, about the same time I did in. in so I don't know that there's been a Christmas season when I didn't read this story or hear this story or um, was aware of it. You know, obviously growing up in Sunday school during this season, you do all kinds of little cutesy things to try to teach you about it. Um, and yet I, I would have to say that there was, uh, you know, there's so much I missed. Um, easy to become hard-hearted towards towards what happened, towards the event of what happened. And, and I, in, in this week, I, there was just, there's so many little innuendos that God did and God purposed and God um, used to, to make known um, fulfillment that Jesus was the Messiah. And th- those are very important. And the story, uh, the story is foundational to who we are as people. If we don't understand this, uh, we don't understand the Messiah. We don't have, in Jesus coming into the earth as a Messiah, we don't have a relationship with him. So it's obviously very, very foundational. I was trying to think of how, you know, in a way, very much enjoying, but thinking, God, what do we, what do we, but what do we say? I mean, everybody knows the story. You know, I mean, what, what do we walk away from here with? What do we leave? And last, you know, we were heading towards, uh, Talking about the Magi and and the wise men coming to visit Jesus, and but I think we'll talk about that next week. So as I as I'm reading, we really did where it's about uh, the time prior from Jesus' birth to to the coming of the Magi. We don't have an exact timeline. Luke, Luke gives us one, and Matthew gives us another. And I don't think I do think that the foundation of what happened is important. We aren't given um, some of the details, so I think that sometimes we're um, remiss or need to be careful about trying to fill in our own details on it and go beyond. But there are some things that are um, very pertinent that we should have foundational to our understanding of what happened. So, Luke is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, it's a, it's the story of of Jesus, and, and the last couple of weeks we've talked about that, and we, you know, there's been some. I put forth some hypotheses and about potentially what happened, and um, because I think that it's it's important to consider the day we become pretty callous, you know, and when we just sing some of the songs, you know. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, here's baby Jesus, no crying he makes, you know, and so he was this little, we, we forget that Jesus was a human, that Mary and Joseph were human, um, and this is a very, uh, very, very profound thing that happened in their life. Um, and I think that we're remiss to not gain what God wanted us to know about this story. You know, I, I you know, last week we we speculated. I speculated a little bit of you know, at what period of time did did 
the angel appear to Joseph and, and intervene and say that Mary's pregnant with um, from the Holy Spirit, you know, with the child of God. Because and and yet in reading it this week, I was kind of somewhat set back um, by that. You know, I mean, the potential is that that it was right at the point of conception that she told him because it really doesn't tell us. But then on the other hand, in in Matthew, there's a there's a pretty Strong statement, it says, now, I'll just read it a minute, in Matthew chapter 1, now the birth of Jesus was as follows, when his mother Mary, excuse me, had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Um, that means she was probably showing. Okay? That means that she'd probably, you know, Mr. Period. That means that she was, you know, that, that all of a sudden now she was, it was obvious. Now, they didn't wear clothes like we wear. You know, they wore loose robes, so, you know, you don't start showing to you three months. I doubt in the clothing they wore that you were even obvious to everybody around in three months, right? You know, my, I, I postulated last week that potentially, um, Joseph knew before she went and visited Elizabeth, right? Because in the story of John the Baptist, and we'll talk about the story of John the Baptist um, in, in the next weeks, because um, the two are obviously pretty parallel in coming in. But but when Jesus, and when Mary went to visit, because immediately it says in, in Matthew, it says that um, you know she went and visited. Um, I, I'm sorry, in Luke it says she went and visited Elizabeth. Okay, and went immediately. She went there afterwards. So. There's a good chance, and she was there for about three months. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm sure that we need to, again, wrap our heads around this, because I, I think that it's very important. If, if I could leave us with anything today, I think that the important thing is, is that it's how key and how essential it is that we are sensitive to and led by the Spirit of God. Not by our emotions. Not by circumstances, not by our intelligence. Okay, not that those are wrong things; those are important things, and those are important backup, in a sense, things. But there's some very the story of Jesus coming in there makes it very, very clear. The only people that recognized him, the only people that knew what was going on, the Bible makes it very clear there were people that were led by the Spirit of God. Okay, they were people that were sensitive to the Spirit of God. And, all, and those who were not, which was most everybody else, okay, they missed the Messiah. Right? And I think that it's, that it's very, very relevant to us today that we are not just as much as them. That, that we are in grave danger of being just like the rest of the Jewish nation. Okay? If we are not extremely sensitive to and led by the Spirit of God, okay? Because we, I, I don't think that the days look a whole lot different today than they did when Jesus came. I honestly don't. We, we tend to, I mean, Pharisee is almost a bad word, right? I mean, when I would say a Pharisee, that's a bad word because they were always in confrontation with Jesus, so it's easy to understand that, but the Pharisee in and of itself is not a bad word, okay? I mean, these were devout people who knew the Scripture, Devout people who knew the scripture. Okay? So were the scribes. Devout people who knew the scripture. 
Um, both of them were, had, as, as a general rule, had missed the boat. So with the priests. I mean, you look at the priesthood in this day. The priesthood were politically appointed. Okay? But, you know, potential, particularly in, in, in Jerusalem in his time, because Herod was king. Okay? Which was a misnomer because he was really under Caesar. But he was given the authority of king for different reasons. So he's, he's king. And basically, he's standing there as therefore what? The king of the Jews, right? The king of Israel. That's a, we talked about him last week. He was, he became a despot, right? I mean, he was, you know, we talked about him at the end, what his life looked like. And, you know, it probably wasn't the sweetest thing to leave you guys with when I read Josephus. You know, it described his, at the time when Jesus came, um, I mean, the guy was just not doing well, okay? I, to, to make it simple, okay? He was just becoming, physically, he actually was, was being tormented, um, coming apart. I, I read something um, this week that the speculation is he was a little guy, like four foot four. You know, I, I don't know if that's, you know, I, I don't know quite where that comes from. Maybe from Josephus. I haven't read it in Josephus yet, you know, when it describes him doing it, but... You know, um, it's a, and it's a profound thing. I mean, he, he, you know, he was an he was an Edomite, right? And and I mean, here talk about, you know, the the Bible is so full and so rich. With the, where are the Edomites? Who are they the descendants of? Of Esau, okay? Who 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 was the the people of the Israelites? Who were the people of Judea? Who was Jesus a descendant of? Jacob. Yeah, and guess what? You know, here they are again. You know, the descendants of Esau, or you know, he he was king of the Jews, a descendant of Esau at the time, put in place by them. Um, people were terrified of him. The guy was, you know, we we spoke last week. I mean, I Josephus, he he sent out letters again to everybody. Remember, he sent out letters to all the heads of families, um, the heads of different tribes and the heads of families, and and told them they had come here so that he could talk to them about something and then he locked them up and put them in this Colosseum kind of deal so that he could kill them all at his death because he knew he was going to die soon so that people in Israel would mourn for him and even though they weren't mourning for him he just wanted people to mourn because he you know it would be wrong if history went back and the people were glad when he died that wouldn't go well right so he wanted the people of Israel to be mourning when he died so he was going to kill all the heads of the families in Israel this is in it makes it godless people really. Um, he circumcised a bunch of them were when they got in a wreck and were all taken captive, and then they all got some Jews now doing it. The, the, the story of Jesus coming into this earth, and, 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 and to clinch it in some ways, um, the We talked about it a little bit. For those of you who aren't here, there's a um, fairly recent, you could call it a documentary almost, I guess, um, about the star of Bethlehem. And with, with, with recent uh, computer technology, they can actually, because the stars are, the movements of the stars are so consistent and are based on mathematics, and you can actually calculate them based on mathematics. Now we have powerful enough computers, you can basically replicate the sky at any period of time. And so you can you can look at a computer 
this was what the sky looked like at the time when Jesus was born. You know, this is what it looked like 2,000 years ago. This is what it looked like 100 years ago. This is, I mean, you can actually, boom. I mean, it'll put pretty much the exact sky up that was there, which is pretty profound. And as a result, we probably have a much better idea of what um, the Star of Bethlehem was, that, that the Magi came. It's, I'll just want this here. That, that's a really, really big statement. Really, really big statement. Because contemporary evangelicalism is a, is a religion of intelligence. is a religion of rational thinking in your mind. We somehow believe that if we rightly understand um, the history or doctrine about Jesus, that we're saved. Okay? That's an absolutely ridiculous posture. Okay? It, it, it has... It has very little to do with intellectual understanding. It has everything to do with what your boots are doing. It has everything to do with obedience. If we are not obedient to what Jesus has said, if we are not obedient to what the New Testament says, and again, there's like 113 commandments in the New Testament. Okay? That's not the old, we say, well, we're not under the law anymore. We're not under the Old Testament. Okay, so we're under the New Testament, right? And Jesus, right? And there's like 113. 13 commandments. Are we obedient? Or do we give intellectual credence to a historical event that happened? Do we say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You know, and I believe he died on the cross for my sins and therefore I, I'll accept you as my Savior. And Really? Um, do we, do we, are we led by the Spirit of God? Do we follow God? Are we obedient to God? The, those are the critical things. The... the the reason that I've, I've tried to talk the, 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 what the situation with Mary and Joseph, um, situation in Israel at the time, is because it's very, very important to understand that, that this went to everything going on around them. You know, God ordained this and made it so obvious. Again, he put it in the stars, right? I mean, he set it in motion in the stars over a thousand minutes before, okay? When he, whenever he set the stars in motion, he set the stars and the planets to align at this time of Jesus' birth, okay? So, be very, and, and, and he made it obvious. Jesus, hundreds and hundreds of prophecies, Old Testament, specifically, were very biblically literate, Old Testament literate in front of everybody what he was going to do. He made it obvious in the skies. He made it obvious in the planets. He made it... Very many. It's really profound how... Why? Because they were running on their intelligence. They were running on their, their mind. They were running on their feelings. It was running on being led by the Spirit of God. Our people, Mary and Joseph, were led by the Spirit of God, right? We think, well, yeah, obviously an angel came to them in the light. How couldn't you be? 
I don't know. You know, I would, I would make a statement that um, the Spirit of God has tried to talk to all of us a lot of times and we didn't hear. Sensitive and obedient. I mean, if, if, if this hadn't been a practice, disciplined lifestyle of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, Mary would not have agreed. Neither would Joseph. I mean, this, we don't understand in our culture what this was asking him. To, to, ha- to, to become pregnant. Stand against her future husband. You know, by by cultural standards, by open standards, okay. I mean, this is this is a radical. Become pregnant outside of wedlock. Huge in that day, absolutely scornful culturally. How this is going to go? Did she? She didn't know how this was going to turn out. She didn't know. On what level? She didn't know what Joseph's reaction even. Did she say, what will Joseph say? No. She didn't. As we read the story. She didn't. I mean, Joseph, she could have thought easily, Joseph can't handle this. I don't blame him. You know, this is, this goes completely against it. And, and again, we tend to think of Joseph as this, I don't know why Colt does this, because I, I don't see any evidence of it in the Bible at all. Um, in outside writings, I haven't heard of any outside contemporary writings of the day that were that say it differently. But we have this perception of Joseph kind of being this old man that was kind of impassionate and just kind of faithful and did what he did, and he was just kind of take this young. Joseph was probably a teenager too, if not if not a young man. You know, I mean, he, they were both virgins. You know, hadn't been married before. And I'm sure that they were pretty excited about getting married. You know, I'm sure they were pretty excited about fulfilling their marriage. I'm sure they were pretty excited about sexuality. I mean, this, they were they were both virgins, okay? they, which means that, that you'd spend your adolescent years being disciplined in your sexuality for your honeymoon night, for your wedding. Excited about it and consider it. It wasn't. Almost a year went by. Okay, I mean, a long time went by before they were ever able to come together and consummate their marriage. This is a radical thing. I mean, they went, they went the whatever period of time it was, whenever he knew and found out and did it, somewhere between zero and three months. Okay, he found out okay, that she was pregnant. He took her in as his wife because God said to. Right. And then, but he kept her a virgin. And he kept her a virgin through the birth of Jesus, but also, almost certainly, through the purification, through the Old Testament purification, because it's a fairly big issue of this afterwards. Um, that, that they went through the, about 40 more days after the birth, put it that way. I mean, consider it. When they, when they went up to Jerusalem to offer up the turtle doves that we sing so cutely about in the Psalms, okay? His poor people, they went up to offer this. That was an offering for the purification. Okay, that was the Old Testament mandate, Old Testament law. Okay, they went up there. I'm sure they were stinking giddy, right? I mean, they they, they were going to get to consummate their marriage. They were going to get. I mean, they had been faithful and, and and held out, and you know, I mean, they'd 
I don't know where they, but he, blah, you know, he kept her a virgin for, you know, a year and doing that. And they were going to get to consummate the marriage. I mean, what a, what a blessed thing. But, but going into this, they had to know there was going to be scorn and ridicule. And, and yes, right off the beginning, I mean, the angel comes to him and says, this, you know, he's going to be the king of the Jews doing it. But, but here we'll read in a few minutes in Luke, um, the Simeon said, you know, and Anna, uh, you know, predicted that things aren't going to go well. Things are going to be ugly. And it'll be as a sword pierces your soul. This, this baby will be. Okay? This is going to be, and, and obviously, you know, when, when Satan found out that this was the Messiah, it was game on. It was fight on. It was, this is ugly, right? Because all of a sudden he was in dire trouble. He's the prince of the power of this world. Right? And now all of a sudden you're sending a king, a sovereign king of the spiritual realm, Jesus, to come on earth. And he knew he was going to be in trouble. So obviously, fight on. Right? And fight was on. Like, right off the get-go, the fight was on. Um, in the spiritual realm. I mean, he, they tried to kill him. You know, he obviously used Herod to try to kill him doing it. And, you know, in, be, be very attuned, I guess, I would ask you guys to be in reading this story to realize that, that the people that God used to bring the Messiah and the people that understood and the people that saw what was going on were people that were very devout people. People that were very serious, disciplined people in their pursuit of God. Okay? in my, my, my point to you is, is this is we tend to have a mentality and a perception um, just like the Jews and, and, and understand this because the Jews did the same thing. They said, show us, show us a miracle, show us a sign and we'll believe. Right? And we looked at them and kind of mock and Jesus said, forget it. You know, if, you haven't, if you haven't been aware and seen the signs that have already come, there's no, not any hope for you. We, we, we do the, be careful that we wouldn't have Jesus say the same thing to us because that's kind of how we live our lives. God, show me who you are. Show me, show me a, a miracle of who you are and I will follow you devoutly. But I'm just kind of weak in my faith and not doing it. And, and, so, and so I'm just kind of weak in my faith. So I need you to show me who you are and then I'll follow you. The way that it seems to work in the Old Testament or in the Old Testament and New Testament, in the Bible, in the examples that we have, is God says, be faithful to what I have shown you and I will show you myself and I will show you who I am. But, but don't ask to, to, okay, if you just suddenly appeared and, 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 and show me how great you are, oh, I would fall on my face and I would worship you. And, and Jesus said in, in John fourteen twenty one, it's a very, it's kind of a life verse for me. It's a very, very important verse. Whenever I feel that way, whenever I feel like, God, show me who you are and I will be faithful and I will be more devout and I will be more consumed in my pursuit of you. He says, Jesus said, the one who has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one that loves me. Okay? Because understand biblical love and what it means. But he says, the one who has my commandments and keeps them, this is Jesus. This is an Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is us. Okay. This is our King. This is our Lord. Okay. That's the one who loves me. The one who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, my God, and I will love him 
And what does he say? And I will disclose myself to him. I will show myself. I will reveal myself to the one who is obedient to my commandments. The, 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 the understanding in Jesus' parables is, is pretty thorough and pretty consistent. The one who is faithful in little will be given much. Right? And God says, what God says is be obedient to what I put in front of your face. And I'll do it. Do a lifetime of that, and, and, and the results will be profound. This is, Mary was Mary was had had spent a lifetime of that. Joseph had spent a lifetime of that. Simeon, Adam, you know, Anna had spent a lifetime in that. I assume the shepherds. You know, these weren't just some guys out there doing it. These guys were devout men who understood when God came down and spoke to them. You know, they were terrified. But what did they do? They still responded and did the right thing. That means they, they, they knew. They weren't going, what was that? Let's get out of here, man. This place is a freak show. You know? No. They were obedient to God and, and went and obeyed Him doing it. The Magi, it's profound. You know? We'll talk about the Magi hopefully some more, but the Magi, it's profound. I mean, here's these Gentiles, okay? Not even Jews. Gentiles. Outside of, outside of, God's kingdom. Here, here's all these Jews that were devout. Here's all these scribes and Pharisees that were devout, that were five miles away from where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And, and when the king asked him, when Herod said, because the Magi showed up in, in Jerusalem and said, it, it, a little speculation, but showed up in Jerusalem. Why would, they showed up in Jerusalem because they'd followed the star. I don't know if they went across the desert or went up and around. I'm not sure. Across the desert is really ugly. Okay, There's, Arabia is a big, bad, ugly place doing coming across. Somehow they came across months, months journey probably. Okay, months and months they followed this star, and they knew enough to know what is where is the temple, where is the center, where would the king set himself up at Jerusalem, and, and they apparently didn't have the lost sight of the star for whatever, a couple days or something. They didn't have it leading because they said they came in Jerusalem thinking, come on, you guys, where's the king, man? I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's written in the stars and you guys are star guys too. You know, you understand this and you the scribes and you've read the scripture and you know the Messiah is coming and this whole nation, all you're looking for is the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah and that's all you're looking for. And here he is and they come in and go, okay, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And, and these people were really troubled. Said, they were like, are you kidding me? The King of the Jews, the Messiah is here. What, what's happening? They they'd missed it. It was in the Scripture. It was in the stars. They didn't know it was it. That they knew enough to say, when Herod, they're going, where is he? They didn't know where to go. It seems like for a little while. And so, what Herod do? I'm sure. Obviously, there was a huge con. He was King of the Jews. The one that all these Jews, Jews are looking for. Obviously, he realized that he wasn't the one they were looking for. Okay. But his authority was seriously threatened here. Not only his authority, but the authority of his of his kingdom, of his lineage. Okay? There was a bunch of Herods after that. Okay? It was passed down to his family. There was a bunch of Herods after the original Herod. Okay? Kind of the family name was, and family power was passed down for quite some time. But these magi are going, okay, where is he? Where is he? And, and what did, who did Herod call? He called the chief priests and the scribes, right? The people who knew the Bible, he called the chief priests and the scribes and said, tell me, where, where, is he, where is he to be born? 
You know, where is the king of the Jews supposed to be born? A looked in the Bible and said, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Right? I mean, that's where he's, that's where he's supposed to be born, is, is in Bethlehem. And so the, so the Magi went, hmm, I guess so. they didn't know he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They didn't, didn't, they were following the star, from what he said. So, and, and so they actually went to Bethlehem, and as they began to go to Bethlehem, the star, star showed up, it appears. Again, okay, and they went, ah, sweet, man, yeah, there it is, lined up, seemed to, I don't know how it stopped over the house, not sure on how it, I mean, I, I realized that rotation thing, and we're moving, and it's moving, and it seems to stop, but what's over the house thing? I, I don't know. Somehow they, but they, these guys were astronomers and astrologers, and they understood the stars much better than us, and they understood where it positioned, where it pointed itself, and stopped over the house doing it. But, but consider that here's, here's the, all these people looking for a Messiah, looking for the king to be born. All these Jews who were very biblically literate, they were so biblically literate that they knew what town he was going to be born in, right? And yet they missed the Messiah. Okay? They missed the Messiah. Intellectual understanding of, of the things of God or of the Bible does not lead us to have a relationship with the Messiah. It's really, really important. These magis, in fact, they were so devout and so believing, they they didn't question it. Well, is this really it or what is it? Remember when they came? They fell on their faces. They fell on their faces and worshipped God. Okay? These these guys were, uh, were they led by God? Were they led by the Spirit of God? Obviously. You know? Several times, Angels appeared to them and said, you know, do this, don't do that, go here, go there, right? And they went, okay. Right? I mean, pretty straight up apparent obedience, right? In doing it. And at the risk of their lives even, right? When they came against Herod. Herod said, and report back to me. Go down to Bethlehem, find this thing, report back to me. Oh, so I can go worship him, you know? All right. So they went down there, and then when they were there, they said, no. Angel come and said, no. Go against, directly against the edict of the king. We don't understand that, but that usually doesn't end well. Okay? In those days, I mean, the king would kill him. And, and this guy was, at that time, more than willing to kill him. He was, he'd killed a lot of people. He'd killed his own, his favorite wife. He'd killed her whole family. He'd killed his own sons because they were somewhat a threat to his kingdom. He'd obviously proved himself willing to kill whoever. Okay? And and then they obeyed the Spirit of God over the king as Gentiles and marched out. I don't know how they left. I've thought about that a lot in the last couple of weeks. I mean, if they just went due east, man, they'd be gone and nobody was catching them across the desert. You know, who was? Maybe it was like, Lawrence of Arabia. Although I saw that movie the other day. That thing was a despot movie. That was a terrible movie. Like, yeah, it's a famous movie, you know, about... And, and, and he was a true dude. He was out there in Arabia. I mean, this is a, a real guy that did it. Obviously, Hollywood has its own idea of what happens. But here is this Englishman that was about half mad, you know, that, that rode around on a camel and, and actually fought, fought the Arabs you know, in doing it. So... And, and uh, you know, going across the desert was like impossible to get anywhere. Um, they left. The Magi left. Probably somewhere where the king couldn't get them. 
king had lots of troops. He could have sent them after him, but they obviously went somewhere where they weren't going to follow him. You know, it doesn't appear to be any any pursuit of them doing it. So, so I rambled enough. Let me read. Okay, let me read in Luke because I think that um, Luke, Luke starts out and it, and it talks about um, Zacharias okay, and Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist, but John the Baptist um, and coming forth is kind of after Jesus. And talking about the life of Jesus, we start in verse 26 of chapter 1 in Luke. Um, in, the, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, okay, with John the Baptist. Right? Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from the city, from God to the city in Galilee called Nazareth. Again, these... these Mary and Joseph were poor. Okay? Mary and Joseph, you have to... I would say that, you know, if there was ever a coming against of a prosperity doctrine, it would be Mary and Joseph. Right? Here's who God... Were they devout? Yes. Were they in tune with God? Yes. Were they obedient to God? Yes. We'd be really assured of those things in here, okay? Were they poor? Yes. They were poor. Okay? They didn't, they were, they, it, it's obvious when they offered, and, and, you know, the, the Bible was very clear to, to historically put down, they offered doves because they were too poor to offer a lamb, which was what God told them to have, unless they were too poor to have a lamb. Okay? They offered doves because they were poor. Um, they were probably too poor to get a room. Okay? In, in Bethlehem when they came. Right? They were staying in the stable. I mean, we, we, you know, the, the inclination and what we have is that, oh man, they were, the donkey was trotting because she was going to have the baby any second, you know, and they just barely stopped by the thing and she had the baby right there in the manger, kind of like you guys in the way to Boise or something, you know, on it, you know? Um, but I, I don't, I, I, <laughs> nice donkey, yeah. So, so, but I, I don't think that's what happened. It said after they were there, okay, her days, the days were fulfilled for her to have a baby. So they weren't there for her to have a baby. They were there for her to, to, for Joseph to register for the census. Right? That's what they were there for. And it says after they were there. I, I have this feeling and, and don't think the Bible infers that they were in such a hurry they couldn't get a room. You know? And, and I, I think they were staying in the stable. And in spite of what we think of this beautiful straw-covered stable, there was donkey poop in the stable, okay? I mean, this, this was not a, this was a stable. That's what it says. It, be clear about it. It was a stable. And they didn't make some separate bed for him, you know? The baby was born in a manger, because that seemed like the best way. I'm sure they had clean straw. I would, I'm not sure, but I, I assume they had clean straw, probably, you know, and laid a blanket down, you know, and the baby was not born. I doubt if Mary, I don't know, she probably wasn't in the manger, but she, she you know, she probably used some other technique, you know, squatted and had the baby. That's what most did. And, but then they took the baby out and wrapped, wrapped it in cloth and put it in the manger. They were poor. Okay. It says there was there was no room for them in the end. And we have this concept of they were crowded out. Well, money talks. Okay. I mean, money talks. They didn't seem to have family. 
right? Because I doubt if they would have been staying in the manger if they had family there, even though his lineage came from David and was from Bethlehem doing it. So this was a, this was a, this was a poor young couple that had just made a hundred mile journey. Okay, that, that that was a pretty significant deal. You know, I'm sure that his primary work as a carpenter was he had some established clientele or some established, um, you know, work source or work reference in in, in Nazareth. Um, and they go to a new town where they don't really have family, I, I would assume. Otherwise, they would have been staying with their family. I can't imagine them, right? Um, and it, it, this, this is a... Uh, think of the context of this, you know, teenage mom, you know, again, maybe 15 years old, Mary was. You know, and here's Joseph. I don't know, maybe he was really old, like 20 or something, you know. And, and, here's, and they just traveled. They spent all the money. They don't have money. You know, I don't know. A stonemason, a carpenter, says carpenter. Some people infer stonemason on doing it, but he probably had his tools with him, you know, so he could make a living as he went, so he could try to try to feed his family. Um, but it was they were poor. It was it was nip and tuck, and, and they were doing something that was so contrary. This is who God chose purposely. Why? Because they were faithful, devout people. Okay. There's a there's a tremendous um, lesson for us too, you know. I mean, that, that God desires to use not not people who have status in this world, not people who have place in this world, not people who have ability by the world standards, but people that are devout. Um, in verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, again, coming in, that means he walked through the door as a reference, right? So, um, I'm not sure about if he turned sideways so his wings fit or something, you know. But I, 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 I think he probably looked pretty human on it. You know, she was kind of blown away. But, but she was very sensitive to God and very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I can't imagine a greater statement. Okay? I can't imagine a prof- more, more profound statement. If there was anything that could ever be said, um, particularly by an angel sent directly from God, Gabriel. You have found favor with God. Um, that, that comes from, she wasn't just being good at the moment or thinking about it. That means that she was devout. She'd been diligent um, and disciplined in her pursuit of God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, probably was thinking about, you think her mind was racing a bit? But the thing she said is, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Obviously, that's a start, you know. I mean, how, how can I conceive in my womb? I am a virgin. You know, this is nothing. And the angel answered and said, 
The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. There, there's a whole lot there, but I, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, the whole concept of conception is miraculous. And here's Elizabeth, her, her, her cousin, her old cousin, who was past birth. We'll, we'll read about John the Baptist. We'll read, you know, um, her husband didn't even believe it. He goes, how can this be since we're kind of like really old, you know? I mean, I, you know, we're going to have a baby now, you know, doing this? For nothing will be impossible with God. He talks about being a major miracle with Elizabeth too. And Mary said, behold, look at Mary's response. He just asked her to have a child out of wedlock, okay? To become pregnant outside of a, the consummation of a marriage. Obviously, she was bound in a marriage contract. That means, the, in, in, even according to Jesus, that was the only sound, valid reason for putting her away because she was unfaithful during the betrothal period, during the engagement period, she understood the difficulty of this. What would be the scorn? I'm a poor girl. I can't buy my way out of this. You know, it, it doesn't imply anything about family and family covering her, family taking care of her. There's never anything said about Mary's family doing this. Sure, she had a family of some sort somewhere, okay? But it certainly doesn't have, there's never an inference about Jesus necessarily relatives there in Nazareth doing anything or, or being part of his life or her life on doing it. Here's this girl all alone. What What is her response? This didn't just come from the moment. This came from a lifetime of being sensitive to her God. He says, Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. The female slave is what the word, that bond slave word means actually. The female slave. It, Be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary rose and went with haste to the hill country of, of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She, I, you know, I, I inferred at one point that, that Joseph went with her. Maybe he didn't. You know? Maybe he didn't go with her. Maybe this was just a... Uh, we don't know where the hill country was, where Elizabeth was. I'm not sure if it was north of Jerusalem or south of Jerusalem. It's a little hard to say. You know, the hill country of Judah kind of stand that whole deal where with Jerusalem kind of in the middle. Nonetheless, um, she went to their house, which was somewhat rural, and I'm sure she's just going, what has happened to me, man? I mean, what, what is going to happen to me? I mean, the love of my life, Joseph. I mean, you know, my, 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 my faithful husband. Who knows? They might have grown up his childhood together in Nazareth, you know, doing it. and knew each other and looked forward to getting married and, and, and were longing to get married. And uh, I would assume so, okay? I would assume so. Um, I, I, you know, we tend to think of it as just an arranged marriage where there wasn't emotion. I think that's a little foolish. I think that's foolish to believe. These were, these, these were people, both of them, devout and sensitive to God. I think they were probably, quote, in love. Okay? And their emotions were, their emotions were running in that they were in love. Um, so, she ran to Elizabeth, okay? She arose in haste and went to the hill country of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Again, these are people that were sensitive to, listening to, 
filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be. That is what the children of God. The Bible's pretty clear to say that those who are the children of those who are the children of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. Okay? That's a very strong statement. But that's what the Bible says. Those who are the the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. That that should be something that all of us go. Is, is, is that the, the thrust of my life? Is that who I am? Is that what I am? Am I led by the Spirit of God? Is that what moves me? Is that what directs me? Is that what guides me? Here was, here was Mary. I mean, Elizabeth, very close. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she had just barely conceived, if so. right? I mean, she said she left immediately and went to the hill country. Exactly where, you know, God fertilized the egg. I don't know. You know, we don't we don't know that, and I don't know that it's necessarily relevant. We know that God fertilized the egg in her womb, and that she was pregnant. Um, obviously, stands pretty strong. This was not just a fetus. This was not just a blob. This was not just tissue. You know, here here's the here's a a baby. John the Baptist in her responding to this barely fertilized egg inside and blessed blessed is the fruit of your womb and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me and she knows this is she's the mother and the Lord is inside her in this early fertilizer okay for behold when the sound of your greeting reached my ears the baby leaped in my womb for joy and and blessed is she who believed that there would be She's speaking of Mary, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Because, you guys, it was still a pretty amazing, miraculous thing. I'm a virgin, and I'm going to become pregnant with the Messiah. I mean, that's like... And, and, and again, all the women of Israel, they all had this underlying hope of wanting to be the mother of the Messiah. Okay? I mean, that was something that was... In, she just won the lotto. I mean, I hate to demean it by saying such a thing, but I mean, this is like, me? You chose me to do this? For behold, and, and blessed is she who believed. She actually did believe that there would be a fulfillment. She didn't doubt of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. Again, speaking about her means, being poor in spirit, being poor, period. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and He has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. I I was hoping to get to... um, to Simeon and Anna, or Anna, when they went, I don't know. We got, but we have lunch, so we won't. I'll, I'll, 
I will leave it. And I'll leave it to you guys. We, we as guys have committed to, to reading Matthew. And I can't imagine that doesn't lead you to Luke. Okay? Because, well, they're the same story. You know, you want to understand, you want to understand the story of Jesus, you kind of got to read them both. Because one kind of speaks to it from Luke kind of from Mary's perspective and, and, and Matthew from perspective of fulfillment of prophecy and the king of the Jews and, and the lineage of David. Um, and, and I, you know, the coming Messiah and the prophetic Messiah that was coming. So I, I would I would ask you guys to read it, but again, consider this. Jesus said Jesus said in, in Matthew a little bit later in Matthew he says the road is narrow and the path is small that leads to life. Few will find it, but the way is broad and many follow it that leads to destruction. And when he was talking, he was talking about those people who had a profession of pursuit of God. He was not talking about pagans. You know, I, I grew up my whole life thinking, yeah, the way is broad and most people that are Gentiles and are pagans are going to hell. That's not at all what Jesus was saying. He was speaking about those all in context of those who were in pursuit of God. Not talking about those who had denied God and denied the existence of God. He said the way is now. God has always had a remnant. But always a small remnant. And, and, and the way is the way is narrow, and the way is tough, um, and, and it will look different. I mean, what what is profound, and what what we need to recognize is is it, it, throughout the Bible, it's been like this: that that God predicts, God God prophesies something, God says something will take place. But think about it. But then people get this. This conjure up this idea of what it'll look like and what it'll seem like and how it'll be and what'll happen. Okay? And is that the way it goes down usually? It almost always goes down differently. Okay? Not that God was wrong. God was never wrong. It's just that we in our propensity do it. You, you look at... We'll talk about Simeon. I mean, here is Simeon who was a devout man in the temple who God had told him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Really? What was his image of that, do you think? I'm sure his image of that was the, 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 the king who will come and set us free from our oppressor, Rome. That's what everybody thought. I mean, Rome had been, at this point, had been oppressing them and, and taxing them and persecuting them. And they let them worship in the temple, but they had their puppet priests set up and they had their own, their own people in power. And I'm sure that he thought the same thing. That, you know, this is going to be this is going to look like somebody who comes and sets us free here from Roman oppression. Right? But, but yet, consider the fact that all of a sudden, all of a sudden he saw this little baby that came in, to, in into the temple at, at 40 days for the purification ceremony. And, and with, with poor parents. They only had two turtle doves, you know, and these young parents that nobody knew. And, and no hoopla about this. I mean, they, they didn't... And, and he was led by the Spirit of God to realize this is the Messiah. Okay? In spite of what his preconception was. I'm sure his preconception was this is going to be a ruler who's going to come. Here's this, here's this little baby. Because he was led by the Spirit of God. I guess if I could... You know, absolutely. If I could challenge us 
all of us in any way, it would be the necessity of being led by the Spirit of God. Not by our preconceptions. Not by our, our intelligence. Not because God is, is probably going to look different than we think. Okay? Life is probably going to look different than we think. If we're following the Broadway and what everybody thinks and what everybody thinks has happened, we're probably heading down a way we're going to be deceived. Okay? It's probably going to look different. Because the Spirit of God, you know, again, maybe He'd put it in the stars, He'd put it in the scripture, He'd made it obvious to anyone who really wanted to know why had they missed it? Because most people are not led by the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, prior to Jesus, people were still led by the Spirit of God. People were still sensitive to the Spirit of God. All these people were prior to the Holy Spirit functioning as He does now. And now here we are in a new state, in a new way. There is, pardon me, no excuse. We can be born again and the Spirit of God can come and reside in us. I mean, that's a radical thing. Not just from the outside in, but from the inside out. We need to be people that are devout. People that are faithful. People that are obedient. And, and, and I really believe that 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 doesn't just happen. And that's not, that's not just a twinkle, twinkle and somebody hits you with a magic wand. That's a practice of the presence of God. Okay? That's, a, that's, a, that's a life spent pursuing Him. That's a life spent being obedient to Him. The one who has my commandments and keeps them, that's the ones that love me. We can say we love Him all we want. Just like we can say we have 300 friends on Facebook, right? right? I mean, you know, we, I do, man. We have 300 friends on Facebook. I have, I have a lot of friends. You don't have nothing there. You know, or very little, right? It's not, it's not what we pretend to be or what we say with our mouth. It's what, what we do. Are we obedient to what God has called us to? And as we're obedient to what God calls us to, God will reveal himself to us, he says. Okay? God will, as we're faithful in the little things, God will continue um, to reveal himself to us. That's what happened when the Messiah came. And, and don't be don't, don't don't be confused. That doesn't mean everybody around you is going to get it, because they didn't. Okay? They didn't get the, the deal. I mean, they they were told they were. T- you know, it's it's wild. This happened in the temple. They went. Simeon and, and and Anna were in the temple. They were told by the Holy Spirit, "This is the Messiah." They told the people around them, everybody who wanted to believe, who was looking forward to it, right? And after that, the Magi came and said, "What?" Well, where is he? Right? And, and, and we don't have a whole town going, we just saw him. He was just here. Last month, this last year, whenever. We don't know how long it really was. Right? They missed him still. So, be sensitive to the Spirit of God and miraculous things are going to happen. You know, we, we, we tend to want to put the cart before the horse and say, show me miraculous things and I'll be sensitive to the Spirit of God. God says, no, live your life sensitive. Live your life obedient to the small things. Be faithful in the small things. And let's go. I'll, I'll show you. I'll reveal my kingdom and my truth to you. Let's pray.
God, I ask that you would, I ask please that you would cause us to realize um, the circumstances, the, the, the character, the nature of Mary and Joseph. You, you gave us those, that story specifically and, and, and one that's ingrained in all of us in America. And yet we, we lose sight of the fact that you know, it is about the Messiah. There's no doubt. Were, were they just a host family to the King of Kings? Absolutely. But why did you choose to use them? But why did you choose to miraculously move through them? Because they were devout and obedient in the little things. It, it wasn't just random. It wasn't picking straws and getting the short one that, that Mary found favor. It says Mary found favor with God. And that causes us to realize that if we want to to have an intimate relationship with the Messiah, that if we want to not miss the Messiah, that we need to be obedient and faithful. And what, a, what a profound thing. I mean, you chose them as a host. You, you predestined it. You ordered the families. You had Joseph and Mary come from the lineage of David. I think that, that it's a profound thing, God, that you, in the lineage of Joseph, that you put the women you do. And these are women that were even Gentile women. These are women that came from prostitution. They were women that came from all kinds of adulterous relationship stuff. Not necessarily Ruth, because she wasn't. She was faithful, but she was still from another tribe that was pagan, that was Gentiles. And I think you put that in there, God, to, to show us that you want to use all of this to be part of your purpose. The issue is, are we faithful now? Where do we go now? Are we obedient? Are we sensitive to you? Do we do what you tell us to do? I thank you for the Messiah. I thank you for sending Jesus. I ask that in the next days as we celebrate this time that, that you would please, God, cause us to, to participate in the Sabbath to participate in putting everything aside to be consumed by Jesus. God, please cause us to, to make that time to not be distracted and, and led all different directions. But cause us to all take time to be consumed by Jesus. To have Him be our Sabbath. To have Him be our rest where we lay everything aside and consider what You did. Causes us to teach our children that. Causes us to live that way in this world. Causes us to be willing to take whatever flack we have to, to not allow blasphemy to come against the truth of this great event that we celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself, for laying aside your kingship for laying aside your power and your authority. You spoke this world into existence and then you came in a lowly family and, and, and were born in a lowly place to a lowly family, lived in a lowly town. Lowly, what's that mean? 
pretty backwards, pretty, pretty unesteemed. And I thank you for doing that. I thank you for humbling yourself and dying for us and giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with God. Amen.